Chapter 13, Uncloaking the Three Faces of Evil, Separation, Materialism, and Confusion. For many people, discussing the topic of evil isn't easy. It wasn't always this way. For centuries, people could sense the invisible, the supernatural forces of lightness and of darkness, if you will. We saw their personification as spirit entities, as angels and as devils, and the influence they could have on humanity. So we fully recognized the power of evil. At that time, what we lacked was the will to choose which would have the most influence over us personally. While of course we had free will, always have and always will, we were too immature mentally and emotionally to do much with it. As such, we didn't make wise choices. We let the lower self run the show, unable and unwilling to face and transcend it. In short, we were the playthings of the dark forces. Our lack of self-knowing led us to lacking self-responsibility. As a result, we felt like we were the victims of evil spirits. We feared them and became submissive to them. Some people even did this consciously and intentionally, openly worshiping Satan. For others, the choice to be influenced by Satan's world was kept hidden from conscious awareness. But of course, this plays right into the hands of the lower self. We've then intentionally chosen to be ruled by the dark forces and no longer even realize it. Roll forward a few centuries, and eventually we became less and less connected to the invisible world. This disconnection, as we'll see shortly, is itself one of the hallmarks of the evil forces. But first, let's pause and notice for a moment how the manifestation of evil has embedded within it the medicine we need for overcoming evil, over the long haul at least. So while this disconnection from the supernatural had regrettable effects, at the same time it snatched away our easy excuse that the devil made me do it. Now an arena has been created in which people need to look inside themselves if they want to fix the effects of evil. So this movement into isolation and separation from the world of angels and devils has helped us grow into self-responsibility. But now, as we ridicule what we think of as superstition, and it is superstitious to believe our fate is controlled by outside forces, we overlook the other half of the truth, which is that invisible forces do exist and do have their influence. In other words, we're stuck in a duality. Either I'm responsible for myself or the angels and devils are. Good news, by now humanity has matured enough to unite the two halves of this duality into one reality. For people walking a path of self-discovery, whether through therapy, spiritual counseling, or the like, the work tends to concentrate on waking up our own inner being, bringing all our inner obstacles into our awareness so we can transform them. This is important and necessary work. We need to get to know our lower self and how it operates if we want to make another choice. To the degree that we pray for help in purifying the distorted aspects of ourselves and choose not to act out our lower self urges, we are protected against evil. 
to the degree we commit ourselves to aligning with our higher selves and following Christ's footsteps, dark spirits cannot approach us. But it's not enough to have goodwill and state our positive intentions on the surface. Our decision must penetrate deeper into the hidden areas of our personality. This is the only way to become a shining light that repels dark spirits. This means there are things we need to better understand, like, for instance, how we are basically a big electromagnetic field that always follows the like-attracts-like rule. Bottom line, we need some information about the three basic principles of evil so we have a more complete and clear view of our lives and what we're up against. The first and most obvious principle of evil is separation. This is readily associated with the devil, whose greatest ambition has always been to destroy and inflict suffering. Satan, in fact, and by extension our own lower self, is all about separation. This includes separation from God as well as from others and from ourselves. It shows up in our cruelty towards others after which we delude ourselves that somehow we are not to blame and we are the victim rather than the perpetrator. We disconnect from where evil lives in us. While separation is an aspect of all three principles of evil, it is important to identify the component of delusion in which we refuse to see that our brother and sister's pain as unavoidably also our own. We ignore this basic truth and on top of that, actually experience pleasure and excitement when we cause suffering and pain and spread destruction. It's funny how much we do this, but not ha-ha funny. Materialism is the second principle of evil. This applies, of course, to life on earth, but it also applies to a whole host of hellish spheres we have had the misfortune of visiting prior to arriving here at the home planet. In those spheres, spirits live in a totally disconnected way, convinced that the dead state of dense matter they are in, way thicker and more condensed than what we're used to, is the only reality. Sound at all familiar? Visionaries who sense what hell is like do not tap into the kind of suffering that exists in these hellish spheres. So here's an illustration. Imagine a world in which nature does not exist. Nothing is alive. Nothing has flavor. Everything is so condensed, even a spirit's inner nature is inaccessible. Everywhere is nothing but deadness and complete alienation from anything with a pulse. All aspects of existence are mechanical. With no birth and no death, this is an eternal life that is anything but heavenly. It's a gross distortion of eternity. This is a hopelessness itself, as though change is impossible. Such hopelessness creates a suffering on par with the direct infliction of pain. If we look at the history of life on Earth, we can see that up until fairly recently, the principle of separation manifested the most strongly. Over the past century or two, this principle of materialism has taken over. 
As superstitions have gone out the window, so has our connection to the more subtle aspects of reality. Our lifeline to the spirit world has been broken. The result? We have created an alienated reality in which we pride ourselves on our advanced state. In truth, we are living in a more advanced state due to our emphasis on matter and the technological progress we have made. But in this, we have become a reality unto ourselves. This has some upsides and some downsides. The positive aspect of this is that it has brought people back to taking responsibility for themselves. It has caused us to search inside ourselves, to a greater degree, for what affects our fate. It's not coincidental that over this same period of time, the science of studying the human psyche has emerged, with psychology further facilitating our exploration and discovery. On the other hand, we have created a way of living here on Earth that is not completely different from that barren sphere of materialism described. It's like we've circled back to where we came from. Home sweet home. Spiritually aware people have always known of these two principles. And since all principles and aspects of spiritual reality frequently manifest as entities, visionaries have throughout the ages recognized two different kinds of devils. Each ruled its own kingdom with numerous lesser spirits serving it. Since the hierarchy that exists in God's spirit world of light also exists in the dark worlds, which are under the rulership of Lucifer. The third principle of evil is not widely known. People may have vaguely sensed it more as a byproduct of evil, but hardly ever is it recognized as a powerful principle in itself, as effective as the other two in propagating evil. Like the first two, it has personification in the realm of darkness with followers and its own hierarchy. This is the principle of confusion, distortion, and half-truths, which come in many shades and varieties. This is the evil of using truth where it doesn't belong, which subtly turns the truth into a lie. But such half-truths are hard to trace because they are presented under the guise of being divine truth which makes them seem unassailable. The confusion that is created is not just a weapon used by evil people, it is a fundamental principle of evil. These three principles of evil aren't so hard to spot in our world. They are all around us, including inside us in our own lower self. They summarize, in fact, the whole mission and methodology of the lower self. In seeing this, we can start to become aware of when devilish forces are working away on us, trying to get us to destroy ourselves by inflicting pain on others. They try to convince us of the illusion that we are separate and isolated, that there is no God and no life outside the boundaries of our current body. They use crazy-making confusion and false dualistic notions of it's either me or you, along with half-truths and subtle distortions we cannot sort out. If we can start to see this in action, it will have a tremendous value for us, because we can't fight an enemy we don't realize exists and whose weapons we can't identify. When we have some type of fault or wrong thinking in ourselves, 
we create a field of attraction that is like catnip for the powerful forces of evil. The only way to neutralize them and render them harmless is to align ourselves with God and remain true. We can use the light of Christ to do the healing work within ourselves, purifying areas that need attention so that we automatically, magnetically attract different forces. We also know that just as different principles have prevailed over the course of history, with one stronger at one time and another at another time, so it is with each of us individually. Our own character will determine which one is in the lead at any point in time. But we can always be looking for all three because they are all always lurking nearby. They all contribute to the aim of the dark forces, which is to alienate us and all of creation from God. Here's an example of what it might look like when the three are in cahoots. Starting with confusion, we have a distorted take on reality, routinely looking away from the truth and instead making lies out of a half-truth. This creates a certain numbness in us because only when we are in full truth are we fully alive. From our numbness, which is created out of confusion and chaos, we inevitably inflict pain on others. Lies must always lead to pain and suffering. Altogether, we have confusion that leads to numbness, a fundamental quality of materialism, and separation, the belief that my pain is not connected to someone else's. In this way, all three principles of evil coexist and reinforce each other. Although many people dispute the idea that both good and evil could be personified, many others even dispute the notion that the principles of good and evil both exist. It's as if we think good and evil are just subjective perceptions. Here we are dealing with one of those half-truths mentioned. So yes, we may experience good and evil in a limited, superficial way. Then later, when we explore an issue more deeply, we may discover that what we first thought was good is questionable, possibly even covering up evil. By the same token, what appeared on the surface to be bad may actually turn out to be a good thing. So it's true, we should be cautious in assessing whether something is good or evil, using our discernment to examine issues in as much depth as possible. It's a grave mistake, though, to use this truth to jump to the conclusion that good and evil aren't real. Denying the absolute nature of good and evil leads to hopelessness, skepticism, pessimism, and a belief that the ultimate nature of reality is emptiness, nothingness, a void. For some time, it has been deemed fashionable and intelligent to postulate this type of nihilism. It expresses both the basic separation from the deeper spiritual reality and dovetails nicely with an all-encompassing belief in materialism. Plus, it contains the confusion and half-truth of denying the absolute existence of good and evil, which breeds more separation and causes more materialism. All in all, a powerful triple play of evil. In this regard, we've come a long way. People are opening to accepting God as a creative principle even though we may hesitate to accept that evil principles also exist. We drag our feet more still in accepting that all principles manifest on earth as entities. 
We fear being called childish or primitive by those who are too smart to believe in such things. But if the personification of principles and creative forces didn't exist, how could we? We're just a form of personification, personifying both good and bad by way of our higher self and our lower self. Isn't it more logical to think that beings exist who manifest more or less of each principle? And then shouldn't there be entities who manifest all goodness and total badness? Regarding the latter, we might argue that all created beings are ultimately divine. So how can anyone be all bad? Well, in a much wider sense, this is true. But it may also be true that in their present human experience, their core is so covered over with evil that none of their goodness can get through. The long and the short of it is this. Personification exists across the entire spectrum of good and evil. And to deny this is on the not that bright end of another scale. Knowledge that we are surrounded and influenced by angels does not need to lead us to worshiping angels and overlooking Christ, who is God's human manifestation and who is the ultimate source of all the help we need. We also don't need to skip over making a connection with Jesus Christ, as that is what opens a direct line of communication between us and God. Being aware of the presence of spiritual guides and angels also shouldn't cause us to fear the devils or dark angels we attract from time to time. As with any disease, devils that come near us are cause, effect, and medicine, all rolled into one. The fact that they are able to get close and have an effect on us is due to our own limited and not yet purified parts. Our immature aspects draw devils near us who confuse us with lies so we can't separate truth from untruth. If we want to, though, we can use our confusion as a medicine, because whenever it shows up, it tells us there is something in us that needs our attention. Instead of denying that dark forces exist, we can overcome our fear and learn to distinguish their voices as different from our own. This is a very necessary step in our spiritual development. But if we deny they exist, we're not in a great position to counteract them. If we don't know that at times they are surrounding us, we become their tool. If we don't suspect that lies are being whispered into our thinking apparatus, we won't develop the ability to question and doubt the thoughts that filter through us. We need to fine-tune our awareness of the connection between our lower self, best well known for its ignorance and fear, destructive defenses and negative intentions and lack of faith, and the voices of devilish entities. These two are partners in crime, forever wreaking havoc in our lives and the lives of those we touch. It's time to wake up to the facts, using our intelligence and fearlessness so that we strengthen our connection with our higher self and its positive intention. But if we do this at the expense of paying attention to the insidious ways of the lower self, we'll become prey to evil influences. It's a bit of a grim reality that once we start doing the work of finding the truth in ourselves, we are a much more worthy target for the dark forces than someone who remains blind to their trickery and who has not dedicated themselves to knowing God. Not a bad reason to pray and ask Christ for his protection. Now is the time when we need to learn as much as we can about what we're up against, 
to understand the weapons being used so we can combat this enemy force we've drawn to us. Remember, such engagement only happens to the degree we've not learned from periods of contact with them in the past, having failed not to turn inner disharmony into the medicine that it is. So who exactly does Satan consider to be his opponent? Is it God, the source of all life and the creative principle in the universe? Is that whom Satan is directing his war efforts at? No, Satan, who is the ultimate personification of all three principles of evil, recognizes that God is the creator and bends to God's will and God's laws. He can't not. It was God's will to be sure that evil be allowed to have its sphere of influence and activities. For that's the only way that evil can be truly overcome in the soul of each and every fallen spirit. Hint, that would be you and me. We're the entities who chose, through our own free thoughts and actions, to plunge ourselves into darkness. To ensure our safe return to God's kingdom, which would require us to ultimately overcome the evil inside us, God created very exacting laws and rules that prevent even Satan from acting outside of them. They also work to set limits corresponding to the will and choices of each entity. So definite laws are in place then that govern the interaction between our lower self and evil spirits. Whenever we make an effort to question a thought, where is this coming from? Is this even true? The power instantly drains out of the dark angel whispering in our ear. It may be hard to feel this effect immediately due to our own clogged up inner network, but the effect must come. This gives us some ammunition against being submerged by thoughts of untruth and confusion, getting drowned by them until we become so disconnected from the spark of life we suffer the pain of untruth and confusion. It is sad when this happens, and worse yet, because it's so unnecessary. Okay, so if God isn't Satan's enemy, who is? It is God appearing in the personification of the Christ. Satanic spirits can't bear to be in the presence of this light of truth. So we can connect with the light of Christ and be protected from evil influences. But if we do this, we have a decision to make. Do we want it to connect us with the source of all life and use it to illuminate our way? Or would we prefer to unwittingly submerge ourselves in untrue thoughts and confusions because in the moment that seems so much easier? Heck, it might even seem exciting and fun. Of course, ultimately, if we choose the latter, we'll end up depressed that we have no faith that Christ will come and help us, bringing us the truth and clarification we desire. So, true fact, Satan's real rival is Jesus Christ, the one who came to earth to open a way back for all of us caught in the morass of Satan's lair and weakened by his influences. This is precisely related to the idea of personification. When Christ walked on earth, manifesting God here as a man who was both divine and human, he accomplished the most incredible feat anyone could imagine. He proved that it could be done. A person could remain true to God and to truth and not succumb to the greatest temptations and influences ever unleashed by the forces of evil. 
Through his unparalleled act of steadfastness, the man who was God made manifest, and the God who clothed himself in human nature opened wide the doors inside the souls of all created beings. Because he forged ahead, he made it possible that all souls submerged in darkness could gradually find their way back to the light. This is the way in which Jesus Christ saved every single entity who has ever been created, not to mention every speck of consciousness and energy that has ever and will ever manifest as a personality. Ever since Jesus came to earth, this great light has been there for the asking to help us build a tunnel back to the world of light. Connecting with the light of Christ is like surrounding ourselves with an electric fence. When Lucifer's henchmen run into this light, they suffer physical pain. It contains all divine attributes, but this light of truth stings evil spirits. The light of love is wickedly oppressive to them, and the light of positive aggression, standing up for ourselves and for what's right, is terrifying to them. While the energy and consciousness of other divine qualities can be perceived indirectly by satanic forces, only the Christ consciousness can be directly, visibly perceived by them. We each may have an inkling of how dark spirits recoil from the light of Christ. It has happened in the inexplicable reactions we've had in which we pull away from pleasure, from love, or from fulfillment. We experience this to a much lesser degree than would a dark spirit. But there it is. We close up in reaction to receiving God's abundance. At first, we're puzzled by this. But we can learn to observe this reaction in ourselves just as we do any other destructive trait or irrational response. It makes so little sense that it can be discouraging when we see it over and over again. Perhaps we meditate, visualizing ourselves opening to happiness, to love and to fulfillment, and still, wham, shut tight. Do we not see that hidden aspects of our lower self keep resisting exposure to the light? We can't stand it long enough to see what needs to be transformed. So prayer then is not enough, nor is meditating or visualizing. Using logic and having good intentions, also a bust. None of this will work as long as there remains a hidden agenda in our soul. In this area, whatever it is, we react the same way the satanic entities do who hide from the light of Christ. It's our hidden agenda that's the problem. And that's what needs to be unearthed and brought to the light of truth. That's what is connecting us with the dark forces, making us their target. So we can appreciate the demonic spirit's flight from Christ's light by observing our own similar reactions, the restlessness and anxiety that surfaces when great pleasure comes to us. And then we'll also comprehend what history has tried to convey, that the great adversary of Satan is Christ. What exists on a small scale within the human soul also exists on a greater scale. All our inner dramas are reflected in our outer dramas and the other way around. Every battle going on inside the human soul between the forces of dark and light, between the lower self and the higher self, is also playing out on a universal level. Wars must be fought by all entities at all the different stages in our development. 
So each of us will go through our personal battle within ourselves, and we will occasionally see our war waged with our surroundings. Last, but not at all the least, we'll each become involved in issues on a grander scale that represent the universal battle between good and evil. Our role in this battle, on whatever level it's happening, will depend on our current level of consciousness and the choices we've made for where we want to be. If we allow our off-kilter desires and immature emotional reactions to fog our vision, letting ourselves be carried along by the realm of darkness, we will become a target for all three principles of evil. Perhaps we will hide cruelty under the guise of just expressing our feelings. We'll use gossip and the maligning of others as our tools of cruelty with the intention to hurt. We might let our disconnection from the deeper reality blind us to seeing what's really going on. We'll get confused using the truth to cover our lies and packaging lies as the truth. That's when we know that we let the forces of evil waltz in through the doorway of our lower self and set up camp. It's time to circle the wagons. We've got to disentangle ourselves from this battle and not become tools for the Prince of Darkness. We need to marshal our goodwill to be in truth, see the hidden motives of our lower self to stay separate and disconnected, give up the line of least resistance, and identify where we use the disorienting energy of negative pleasure to pull pain and destruction onto the heads of those we love. It's so tempting to follow negative thoughts into the swamp. We get more and more fixated on the wrongs of another, blaming and accusing without regard for what is really true, the whole truth, including our part. We prefer to believe the stories we tell and to continue to build cases against others. The key to finding the way out is really quite simple. The first question to ask is always, what is the truth of this matter? The second question, do I really want to know the truth? Assuming we sincerely desire to be in truth, even if the only fraction of our being that currently desires this is the part willing to ask the question, these questions will dispel the clouds of darkness that tether us to the three principles of evil. If we really want the truth, clarification will come. Even if the truth is that, in this moment, we don't really want to be in truth, we still want to blame and attack and see people in the worst light possible. We can't explore what this is about if we're busy pushing it away. So step one is always to be with what's here now. The truth will shimmer through slowly over time if we are willing to admit that we have no intention to give the other the benefit of the doubt, or to be curious, or to be in communication with them. This is, of course, what attracts those expert spirits of confusion and lies. Being clear about what's true for us right now will dissolve the pain of guilt that we work so hard to keep under wraps. Our guilt causes us to project onto others what we're afraid to look at in ourselves. Clarity will also help dissolve the pain we inflict on others through the evil of our projections. We like to kid ourselves that our negative thoughts and intentions don't really harm anyone else, but they inevitably are reflected in our actions and therefore affect others in insidious ways. Our thoughts simply can't remain isolated. They always lead to results and events in some way, shape, or form. But our honest search for the answers to the questions about being in truth will bring much-needed clarity. 
will have new access to thoughts that were previously hidden from full view, but dishing out their dastardly effect nonetheless. This is the way to reestablish our connection with the source of eternal life. The light carried in these teachings is always the light of Christ. Using this light, we can find our way to the truth in any issue, large or small, personal or universal. This is the way to find God, who is the creator of eternal life and who can only be found in the truth. To find the truth, we will need to navigate the mazes of the dark areas of our own souls. We will run into the temptation to stay stuck and enjoy the thrill of our own negativity. We must deliberately work to overcome this temptation. The light of Christ is the overpowering love of all creation. We are blessed and protected when we choose this way.